Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Coulter, let's start. The battle for the little brown stein as they were on to Idaho as uh, we came out and talked about Portland State uh, for Montana yesterday. We'll talk about Idaho uh, now. Jeff Cotton is a wide receiver for the Idaho Vandals. He's going to join us on Thursday, so just want you to be, uh, you know, put that on your radar as well. He's an outstanding wide receiver. I think 18th in the nation in receiving yards and fourth in the country in receptions. Uh, and by the way, they got a group of receivers, the Idaho Vandals do. I mean, they have a couple of guys who are, are absolutely outstanding. And uh, so receptions per game, not receptions on the whole, because they've not maybe played one less game than everybody else. But and he's played one less game than everybody as well. He missed a game earlier this yeah. year. Yeah, so he, uh, but but uh, anyway, he'll be with us on Thursday to talk about uh, this game, an interesting path that he's been on coming out of Arizona High School and then JC and then uh, into Idaho. Uh, so we'll have him on. But first, Coulter, let's just hear from Bobby Houck, the head coach of the Montana Grizzlies, talking broadly just about facing up with the University of Idaho and the problems that they present. This has been a big game in these parts for, for decades, for a long time. Uh, they're playing well. They had a big win last weekend against Cal Poly. Uh, they had a tough loss against Weber State, and they, they beat Idaho State fairly handily. So they've been playing really well lately. Um, they're really well coached. These coaches at Idaho know what the heck they're doing. Um, so they'll have they'll have their team ready. Uh, we know that they, they spent time on us in spring ball and fall camp. Um, so they'll be ready. They'll be well prepared. They'll be ready to go. They'll be fired up to play this weekend in Missoula. And, and we know that... Uh, that we better be the same. So there you go. Uh, when you look at this football game, Coulter, what do you see? 
Well, I think, first of all, I think the respect in the coaching staff, a lot of times you hear that in the press conferences, and a lot of times it's a pleasantry and it's just what you're supposed to say. But I know for a fact that Bobby Houck does have a lot of respect for Idaho's coaching staff, especially because a lot of these guys, there's so much crossover between them. Um, I mean... No, Chris, Paul Petrino, a Paul Montana Petri- guy. Paul, right? I mean, all these guys are Montana yeah, guys, honestly. Yeah. I mean, Paul, Paul Petrino's from, you know, grew up in Butte, played at Helena for his... Old man Bob Petrino Sr., who's a coaching legend in Montana. Uh, I mean, Chris Chinkovich has a ton of crossover, both with Montana. That's the offensive coordinator for Idaho. He has a ton of crossover with both Montana and um, Bobby Houck. I mean, he was at UNLV before uh, Bobby Houck was there. I mean, Mike Bresky has spent two different stints as the defensive coordinator at the University of Montana. People remember Bresky, his first iteration as the D.C. for Joe Glenn, his second iteration as the D.C. for Robin Flugrad. I'll tell you this. Bresky's evolved a ton during his uh, time as a defensive play caller. Under Joe Glenn, it was a lot more simplistic. Simplistic is the wrong word. A lot less risky. And then when Bresky was here under Robin Flugrad, they were running a ton of stuff. They were blitzing all over the place. A lot of where Ty Gregorak and his blitz schemes come from was him learning under Mike Bresky. And uh, Idaho still looks like that a lot. They're very aggressive in the front seven. But then you look at the rest of the coaching staff, and you got Vernon Smith, who was an all-Big Sky corner at Montana under Bobby Houck, who's now the cornerbacks coach at the University of Idaho. Uh, you got Tony Spencer, who's one of the all-time great receivers in the history of Carroll College, who's the receivers coach there at Idaho. They got Luther Ellis, who was a multiple-time All-Pro defensive lineman for the Detroit Lions, and he's the defensive line coach at uh, Idaho. And <laughs> not only is he the D-line coach, but he's the guy who never stops giving them absolute studs. I mean. He's got 12 kids. Three of them have already played for Idaho. He really does. He has 12 kids. Three of them have already played for Idaho. Caden Ellis right now is playing for the Saints. He got drafted last year from Idaho. His younger brother, Christian, is Idaho's uh, start, one of Idaho's starting linebackers. I think he's their second leading tackler. Uh, and then the youngest, Ellis, once upon a time, was the top-rated defensive line recruit in the entire country. Noah Ellis is his name. And he was once upon a time committed to Alabama. He played for a year, maybe even two at Mississippi State, and now he is at the University of Idaho, but this guy is six foot four, three hundred and fifty pounds. He hasn't quite put it together yet in terms of the production, but he's a four star recruit from the SEC playing in, in the Big Sky Conference. So uh there's some ta- dudes. There's some dude there's some coaches and there's some dudes. They have just had a lot of their Idaho's struggles have been widespread and intricate and complicated. There's so many different things you can point to. Mm-hmm. The move up, people now, I've, I saw, I've seen this all over Twitter. There was a huge debate this weekend over a bunch of Grizz fans and a bunch of former Grizz players about whether Montana should have or still should move up. And it's an interesting discussion. I think it's one that you and I can have a little bit later on down the road. We've, had, we've touched on it before, but I think that people look at Boise State, and they think, well, that's the best thing that could happen if you're from the West and you move up. And Idaho, that's the worst thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. And people always yell, well, of course Idaho failed at the FBS level. They moved up and joined the Sun Belt. They didn't. They, no, they moved didn't. up and they joined the, I don't even know. Was, I think it, was, was I think, it the WAC? I think it was the Big West first, and then the Big West went away, and then they were in the WAC, and then the WAC went away because of the rise of the Mountain West, and then right. Idaho didn't have the standing to be in the Mountain West. And at that point, Boise State had won so much, and and Boise had exploded. Mm-hmm. So Big West was what they initially joined. Because I, I always get that confused because there's the Big West and the Great West. Um, 
But then, you know, the city of Boise had exploded in population. Boise State had made their great run, and Idaho was sort of left in the dust. And, you know, on one hand, you can say, well, Paul Petrino has been below average as the head coach at Idaho. But he inherited a program that was playing FBS independent. And they had to play just a certain murderer's row to basically keep the athletic department afloat when they when the WAC disbanded. And then he gets them into the Sun Belt, and that's not a good fit. They're going across the country to play Troy and Arkansas State and Appalachian State, and it's just not it's not good. But then they, with Matt Linehan as the quarterback, they win nine games and they win a bowl. And you can say, okay, well, it's just the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. And you know me, I'm not a bowl guy. But they won a bowl game at Idaho. Yeah. I mean, they won nine games in the FPS. I don't care what conference you're in. They did that. Yeah. Right. And then they and then then the return back to the FCS, I think, has had a really detrimental effect on just the mentality of their program. Because I do think they still have a ton of really good guys. I mean, Charles Okano, who got hurt against Idaho State, he was the guy who was playing buck end, in, basically falling in the footsteps of Caden Ellis. He's an NFL guy. So that means, to me, it shows that you had – Two straight NFL guys at that position. You're recruiting well there. They've had multiple running backs that have gotten sniffs in the, in the league. They have some of their best guys are some of the best guys in the league. They just have a really hard time with the intangible element of the game. They're terrible on the road. They're terrible when it comes down to it, like in close games. You know, they held on for dear life and beat Eastern, but you know, in a close game situation, they blew a 14 point lead against Northern Colorado. So, I mean, they, they just have a lot of struggles that are outside of just the talent it takes to win football games. This is a team that's very, very hard to get a, a, a grasp of because they are four and five overall. They're two and three in Big Sky Conference play. They're 0 and four on the road, but they're four and one at home. And their one loss at home was to Weber State in a 41 35 football game. They scored a little bit late there, but that, they played Weber State really, really well, who's, hello, the number three team in the nation right now. So th- that that is, that's Idaho good. Idaho bad? They went on the road and lost to Northern Colorado, one of the two worst teams in the Big Sky Conference. If there's such a thing as a bad win, they've got it. A 41-31 nail-biter that was closer than that against Division Two Central Washington in the Kibbe Dome. And... They have been, uh, they, they got completely uh, uh, blank goose egg at Portland State. Didn't score a point against the Portland State Vikings. And, you know, they, they're coming now off two wins, a huge win in their rivalry game against Idaho State, 45-21, and another win at home over Cal Poly, 21-9, where the defense really uh, figured out the, the, you know, the triple option in that attack and got two two solid wins. But this is, you're right, this is a team that, when it gels, when it plays well, and maybe you could say when the players are invested in what's going on. And when they're at home. Right. Well, I mean, obviously the home and away thing is the most stark uh, you know, part of this. But that's when – but this team has the, 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 the potential. And not just the potential. They have shown it. The, the uh, reality of at times being really good. They've also at times been awful. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. 
At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. I think that just from a personnel standpoint and from what goes into this, I think that there's multiple different deals going on here. First of all, Matt Linehan was a really good quarterback. Matt Linehan's one of the great quarterbacks in Idaho history, and they have great quarterback lineage. I mean, Doug Nussmeyer uh, and Scott Linehan, Matt Linehan's father, who's now been a longtime assistant coach in the NFL, and John Fries. I mean, Doug Nussmeyer and John Fries both won the Peyton Award. I mean, they were they were some of the best quarterbacks in the history of the Big Sky Conference. Mm-hmm. Idaho was the cream of the crop in the Big Sky in the eighties, and then when when Dennis Erickson left, and John L. Smith took over. They were still a competitive program, and then when they moved up, that was one of the things that sort of cleared the way for Montana to to rise. But Matt Linehan was an outstanding quarterback, one of the all-time leaders in every single major passing category in Idaho history. So they And they haven't been able to replace him, and they've tried to replace him with Mason Petrino. And Petrino, he takes all sorts of heat, and there's a I mean, it reeks of nepotism as being Paul Petrino's son. He looks nowhere close to a D1 athlete because he's just he's tiny he doesn't throw the ball like a d1 quarterback would but i actually give him a lot of credit he he's a really competitive guy he's tough he's tough i mean maybe no uh, surprise he's he's he has been one of their issues but there's more issues than just that i guess what i'm getting at is he's not the sole scapegoat i think the other thing worth noting about this idaho team though is i do think that they're going to have it's it's going to take a couple uh, years for them to really transition into recruiting guys who want to play in the big sky. But when they play teams where they know that this is a rival, where they know that this is the team from down the road, or there's going to be fans from this team at our place, I mean, they blitzed Eastern, and they held on, they held on late, and Eric Berrier helped Eastern come back to make that an eight-point game. But they still took care of business when Eastern was the number 11 team in the country. They destroyed Idaho State, a team that destroyed them last year in Pocatello. Scored three defensive touchdowns in that game, and they overwhelmed Idaho State. And now they have their third rivalry game in Montana. And so, I, I you know, it's going to be a tough task for them to come here. But I do expect them to have an inspired effort, and I do expect them to play better than maybe we think that they are. I think the last thing worth noting... The Sun Belt was such a run-heavy conference that had a ton of team, Not a ton, but there's... There, there's only a couple handfuls of option teams in all of college football. The only conference, to, in my mind, in, off the top of my head, that I can think of that has multiple option teams is the Sun Belt. Mm. So this Idaho team has been designed to stop run-heavy teams. You look at their schedule, who they played well against. I mean, Eastern, that was a rivalry game, so I think you got to give that factor in. But when you talk about they played well against Weber State, they didn't play well against Portland State, but Portland State's been good on the road. But they took away Idaho State's run game and made them one-dimensional and then just messed with Matt Strzok. That's how they're able to get those defensive touchdowns. And then they smashed against Cal Poly last week. So I think that the way that they're built personnel-wise also just indicates where they came from. They have to adjust to be able to compete in this league. And I think so much of it is just mental. They just have to find guys that want to play in the big sky. Um, It's difficult to be in the brackish waters of guys who came to play in the FBS and are now playing in the FCS. 
and in a conference that they're very, very unfamiliar with when they many of them had come thinking, okay, it's Idaho, but we're playing in the Sun Belt, where a lot of these guys sort of regionally came from. Louisiana, Arkansas, various places like that. Pretty interesting, the dynamics that are at work there. By the way, as we know, the Petrino family with roots, you know, well, they're from the Montana family. Uh, it continues on to this generation. Mason Petrino's twin sister, Anne Marie, who is obviously Paul's daughter, uh, is a softball player at the University of Montana. So she's a Grizzly on the softball team there. So a pretty interesting uh, dynamic there. And then, of course, uh, Mike, who we just both think very highly of Mike Petrino, who is the nephew, I believe, right? Nephew of, of uh, Paul is, uh, you know, on the Lady Grizz coaching staff uh, with Shannon Swain, and and, uh, and and he does a great job there, too. So it's just a pretty remarkable group, and they are they have their fingers everywhere, but there'll be no love loss on Saturday. That can be sure uh, when you talk about Idaho versus Montana in any sport, but football particularly. So, uh, well, football, I mean, maybe basketball particularly, frankly, but both of them. We've talked about so much this year in the NFL how there's been such a lack of investment in offensive and defensive lines, especially offensive lines, for a lot of the teams that have taken steps back or that are just truly bad. I think that that same theory trickles down in the college football and it trickles down in the Big Sky Conference too. And you can point to lack of talent here, lack of talent there. But inexperience and uh, just lack of lack of, of talent kills you on the fronts at this level, too. And I think that's one thing you can point to. That's not why Idaho's bad. Idaho's good on their fronts. Their offensive line's pretty good, and their defensive line, is their, their front seven is, is good, really good, actually. I mean, I would say top half of the league. It's, it's the opposite. It's ironic because you'd think that they'd have such an athleticism advantage dropping down from the FPS, and that's where they're weak. Mm. Boyd Hightower's a good corner. Besides that, they don't have corners that can hang with the, at this level. That's where they get torched. And that's going to be, to me, one of the keys of the game on Saturday. I agree with you. I think Idaho's going to be up for this game. Uh, so is Montana. And, and prepared. Uh, especially with what happened in Idaho, not just the loss, but guys being really surprised by they didn't understand many of the guys on that team what that rivalry really was about, and the number of Montana the thousands fans of Grizz fans there. showed up, right? And it was the best, you know, the biggest environment, maybe not the best for them, but and they get absolutely housed, you know, in in Idaho. Uh, you can be sure the Grizz, yes, the Grizzlies will be up for this football game as well. I wonder though if there's a chance that you're up for it, up for it, and then all of a sudden, I mean, this Idaho. Has never played Washington Grizzly Stadium since they've been back, you know. Right, and so it was the first time be, these two teams have played in Missoula since two thousand three. Right, so so even with that, you know, they, there's not really an understanding, I guess, of what that environment is going to be like, uh, and and uh, I think it will be an interesting. It'll be an interesting watch to see how they react and respond to that because it can go one of two ways. It seems to me. Sutel and Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we are going to hear from Paul Caputo, who writes for sportslogos.net. As you may have heard, a brand new logo. In fact, many of them are floating around Missoula now. The Missoula Paddleheads, the new baseball team name and logo uh, for the Pioneer League team here in town. And so people, you know, trying to 
kind of adjust to that, I think, a little bit, trying to figure out what that, you know, where, where they're at with all that. But this is a guy who writes about these things for a living, so maybe he can give us some insight that is uh, maybe out of town, I guess, you know, what he thinks about it. So we'll see. I don't know what he's going to say. I've, I've, I, this, is not, uh, this is not a plant, people. I have this. We just thought, hey, maybe we should talk to somebody who does this kind of stuff, who's interested in, in this. So uh, we'll talk to Paul here in just a moment. Before we go, though, uh, a couple things. I want to remind you, we're going to once again be giving you the word of the day. Win yourself a keg and a kegerator. How great is that? Keg from Great Burn Brewing and a kegerator from Fred's Appliance. So we'll give you the word of the day uh, to text it as we go. But right now, we want to make everything you eat taste great. And Coulter and I, we don't have that ability. We're no good at this. Coulter, give them the big one today. Give them the big one today. We're going to give you some Alpine Touch. Not just some but a lot of it. It's the four big mountain flavors from Alpine Touch. This is the this is the prize pack right here, the Grand Slam package. Alpine Touch gives you the original spice, which is still, I mean, it's just an all-timer good, but you can fill this thing up probably with whatever you would like. You call in right now, 329-1899. We're going to send you a four-pack of the big Alpine Touch spices right to your door. Grand Slam package right now. Go to alpine.com. AlpineTouch.com. You can order this. Make sure to use the code ESPN10. Get 10% off any of yours. These are great for holiday gifts, great for tailgating, great for anybody, anywhere. I mean, this stuff, I don't care who you are. If you get this for Christmas, you're going to be happy. It's going to last you a long time. It's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. And right now, we'll give it to you. Give us a call, 329-1899. We got this Grand Slam, four jars of big flavor for you. Be sure to go alpinetouch.com for all your holiday shopping needs and all your tailgating needs as well as football season winds down. Just give us a call right now. First caller, give your name, address to David in the back, and he will get you an Alpine Touch sent straight to your door. Alpine Touch, Montana Special Spice. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home even when you're not. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Sports Center. After months of speculation and anticipation, Missoula's minor league baseball team has a new name. After 20 years as the Osprey, the Garden City's Pioneer League affiliate, will be known as the Paddleheads. The team still plans on wearing Osprey and Missoula Timberjacks gear throughout the upcoming season. The Class AA high school football playoffs basically went chalk in the first round with every team with a better record and all but one higher seed moving on. Missoula Sentinel posted a 45-7 win over Billings Skyview and will play Billings Senior Friday in Missoula. The other quarterfinal matchups featuring Ka- feature Council Glacier at Butte, Helena Capital at Billings West, and Helena High at Bozeman. Missoula Big Sky saw their season end 27-3 at Bozeman, and Missoula Hellgate saw its season end with a 41-13 loss at Senior. 
In Class A, three Southwestern A teams are among the final eight, including Hamilton, who will host Billings Central in a rematch of last year's state title game. Frenchtown posted a 34-7 win over Whitefish to move into the quarterfinals and a matchup with the Eastern A top seed Miles City. Dillon will host Haver and Laurel host Libby in the other two quarterfinals. And it- Okay, I'll do it, sure. In Class B, Missoula Loyola is into the round of eight after posting a 20-0 win over Huntley Project. The Rams will take on Manhattan, and Florence will play top-seeded Fairfield after a dominant 59-6 win over Shepard. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. City's got a new team name, new logos. Everybody's got their thoughts and opinions on it, but maybe we should ask somebody who, uh, well, has seen a couple of these in his days. Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, online at Kurtz Polaris. Dot com. We go down to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in Paul Caputo, who writes for SportsLogos.net. He's written a story uh, today, in fact, about the Missoula Paddleheads and the new uh, logo, the new uh, uh, name, and all of that stuff. He joins us now. Paul, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Guys, I'm super happy to be here. I really appreciate it. Well, I love it about this stuff. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you on. I mean, I would think you're happy to talk about this stuff because you do this stuff. You write about <laughs> it all the time. When I, I mean, let me ask you this. There's there's so many logos and people are really, really interested and some people really invested in their team, their town, and that kind of thing. What got you into this on this sort of sports bent from a logo, you know, through a logo filter? Well, I so I'm a Phillies fan. And, uh, you know, all through the, the mid-2000s, you know, the, the Phillies were doing really well. And then with uh, Ryan Howard's Achilles heel exploding uh, in 2010, I was just like, man, I'm going to have to find something else to, to occupy my baseball mind here. And right around that time, uh, the same design firm, actually, that did the Paddleheads, uh, Brandios, did a team, uh, the Phillies AAA affiliate called uh, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. And I thought, what in the world is an iron pig? Like, what does that mean, right? And so, so I looked into that, and, and it turns out the iron pigs were sort of a play off of the pig iron that they forge in the steel mills of eastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's, you know, there's there's a neat story here. And so it got me thinking, uh, you know, about, like, what do all these, these sort of increasingly wacky minor league nicknames mean? And I, I developed a theory that you could, you could understand America by learning why minor league baseball teams have the names that they have. Uh, and so I started writing uh, for sports logos. I started writing a series called uh, The Story Behind the Nickname. And I would just call teams up and I'd be like, man, why are you guys called the Chihuahuas? Why are you the Rumble Ponies? You know, that sort of thing. So, uh, And I've, I've learned an awful lot about America that way. Two-part question then. What is the most fitting logo you've come across which one fits the community and, and re- reveals the most about that place and what's the weirdest one you've come across oh man the weirdest one. <laughs> um you know actually i mentioned the iron pigs i mean i think that's just a that's a, a, a great one because it's you know this sort of metallic grimacing pig and it just you know it just represents to me the steel mill culture of, of eastern pennsylvania so so well um 
I think, uh, so that, that one to me is probably the most fitting. It's the one that sort of got me going down that path. I think the weirdest one has to be another Brandios one. The, the guys who did the paddleheads, you know, have done so much work in, in minor league baseball. Um, and, and one of the ones they did, they're actually defunct now. They just played their last season, uh, the New Orleans Baby Cakes, whose mm. logo is the little toy baby that you put in a king cake in New Orleans. And, you know, there's all these sort of traditions associated with that. So for three years, they were the New Orleans baby cakes. And, you know, they had this sort of like creepy grimacing baby as their logo. So that one, that one I would say is the weirdest of the ones I've, I've encountered. Paul Caputo joining us. He writes for sportslogos.net. He's just in a story about the Missoula Paddleheads, their new logo, their new team name, and all of that. Uh, Paul, it's interesting, especially in minor league baseball, there's a great tradition now of finding some pretty obscure names, some of that by necessity because of copyright rules and that sort of thing, but also some of it just because, you know, teams, places want to be unique and so forth and so on. When you saw the new logo and the new team name, what were your reactions to it, not being a Missoulian or a Western Montanan and not maybe having necessarily any tie to the Osprey as such? Sure. Well, I think, I mean, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head as, as someone who's not from the area uh, and, you know, not necessarily even familiar with Osprey in particular. I didn't have, you know, any connection at all to the team. It was a, you know, it's a classic logo. It was around for 20 years. Uh, you know, obviously that, that team was, you know, firmly entrenched in, in minor league baseball tradition, but Osprey meant nothing to me, right? Like it just, I didn't have a connection to it. And, you know, one of the things I know the team was trying to do here was to do something that was, you know, pertinent to Missoula, but also that it had, uh, you know, a more sort of national appeal. And I saw that, you know, they were they were tweeting that they had already sold merchandise to seven different countries already, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, it, this one, when I saw this one, you know, I, I sort of, I love Moose in general. I live in Colorado, right? So, you know, we... Every once in a while, you get lucky enough to actually see one. And right. I went to a conference once where there was one walking down the street, which I understand happened in Missoula as they were trying to come up with this name. Um, so, so my reaction was that it, it felt so appropriate to to the Missoula community, but also I can absolutely see you know there's going to be a more national appeal. There's going to be uh, there's going to be people who just sort of love Moose in general and and are going to be you know interested in this team and this logo for that reason. Did you know what a paddlehead was before this landed it on your radar? No, and then I, and in fact, I had to go look it up afterwards, and I still am not finding like a ton of references to moose being paddleheads, right? Like I think, but this is you know this is another thing that I think Brandios does really well, uh, and that that minor league baseball in general is doing really well is coming up with you know they're not just going to be the Missoula moose, they're going to be the Missoula paddleheads, right? And, and it makes you think, and it makes you sort of delve into. Uh, you know what what that means, and it and it tells a little bit of a story about the double entendre with the sort of river culture there. Um, you know, another team that they did this with was uh, in Amarillo, Texas, the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Uh, and you know, I had never heard the term Sod Poodle before, but a Sod Poodle was a a prairie dog. So you know, I think this is this is something that teams are are doing because it invites questions and invites you know sort of further explanation of like okay well what the heck's a paddlehead and then and then when they had the opportunity to create the sort of the bat with the paddle on the end of it to celebrate the the river culture there 
that you know, that was clever, and it was you know, it was. I think that came together really well. There is no question that we should do away with prairie dogs in general in the lexicon, <laughs> and it should just be sod poodle. I mean, that <laughs> is <great>. obvious. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. I, I'm with you on that one for sure. Uh, you know, it was interesting because if you take a look, and actually, it's 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 interesting to look at at, at your website, thesportslogos.net, because you have the new logos and the old logos up against each other. And if you sure. do look at the Missoula Osprey logo, like you can see the dated nature of it, and it, it's yeah. sort of interesting. Like at some point, logos cross some threshold where they become classics. But up until that, they just become dated, and I don't know when it happens that it becomes classic or what needs to take place, but it right. hadn't happened yet for the Osprey, and I was I had been in favor for quite a while of, of a logo overhaul of some sort, and I didn't realize the extent to which they would do it, obviously, with new ownership. I think a lot of people here have had a pretty negative reaction. You know, you may be aware too that there was an there is an Osprey that lives at the stadium, so that was a big right. part of the of the whole uh, you know sort of ongoing conversation on this. Uh, the Paddlehead, when I first heard the name, and I still am like, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but the logos to me were they? I mean, they they came off to me very very well, and like you said, have a much broader appeal than what the Osprey had, what they were working with before. Well, the, the the Moose logo, obviously, I mean, he's got a lot of personality. He, you know, he really does. It really is inviting. So, I mean, so well done. I mean, so, you know, it's, it's a professional, engaging logo. One of the things, you know, Brandios does in particular is that they try to tell a story with their, you know, their, their, their suite of logos. And one of the things you may have noticed, like the Osprey, right, they had 182 logos. This suite with the with the paddle heads, you've got like nine or ten logos, right? And so there's a whole sort of narrative. There's a whole story there. Um, and yeah, you may have. I mean, that's definitely the arc with these. I mean, I think every minor league baseball team that unveils a new logo, there's there's a negative reaction because it's different. There's a sort of nostalgic connection to the the previous logo. There's people who have a lot of, you know, Osprey gear, I'm sure, who are, you know, disappointed now that, that that's out of date. Um, but then, you know, when you look at some of these teams that came about relatively recently within the last, like, you know, five to ten years that already feel so firmly entrenched, right? Like the Richmond Flying Squirrels, the El Paso Chihuahuas, um, you know, some of these teams that have these sort of wacky names. The, there's one team that hasn't even played a game yet, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, right? And everyone loves their logo, and they were the Mobile Bay Bears. You know, no one could tell you who the Mobile Bay Bears were, but everyone knows the Rocket City Trash Pandas. So I think, that, yeah, there's a there's an arc, there's a curve where people have to sort of get adjusted to the new team. But I think having a contemporary, professionally designed logo is, is going to be better for the team in general and, and better for the, the community. That's not to say that it wasn't a great brand, that Osprey wasn't appropriate to the community and for a logo that was designed in 1999, that it that it didn't have a certain amount of staying power. I know that they were talking about, you know, just updating the Osprey logo and, and keeping the same team name, but when they got into conversations about it, 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 it became a question of, you know, we're, gonna, we're just going to completely overhaul this and, and make it something brand new. Grade this thing for us. What would you give this, uh, just from a broad logo perspective? 
so give it a letter grade? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, sure. Or, 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 however, however you want to rank it. Scale, whatever you want. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna use a baseball euphemism for it. I think they knocked it out of the park. I mean, I think they. I mean, when I interviewed the the front office, uh, yeah, I spoke with with Matt Ellis and Taylor Rush at the at the team, and they said, you know, we're we're enlisting the help of a of a design firm that has a, a tried and true playbook in terms of creating identities that are, are appropriate and fun and engaging. And, you know, they, they, they brought in some heavy hitters who are really good at what they do and who really have sort of redefined the, the culture of minor league baseball. Right. And so, so they, you know, they, they brought in professionals to do a really good job. And, and I think they did do exactly what they asked them to do. So I would, you know, I give them. I give them an A. I think they hit it out of the park. I think it's, you know, there, there's going to be an adjustment period for people like me who follow, you know, all of the minor league brands. You know, I, there's a certain familiarity to it, right? Like, there's a certain visual aesthetic that Brandios has that you're sort of like, you know, there was a certain expectation that it would, you know, that they would have a character and it would have, you know, a certain sort of grimace about it and and. You know, one of the things Brandios is famous for that they didn't do with this logo is they almost always have a character swinging a thing, right? So, like, the Eugene Emeralds have a Sasquatch character who's swinging a pine tree, um, sort of in the, in the spirit of the old San Diego Padres friar. Um, so they didn't do that, right? Like, they don't have a moose swinging a baseball bat in this one, which so some people are like, hey, where's the swinging character logo? But, you know, it, you know in general, they... They brought in Brandios to do a certain thing, and Brandios did exactly what they asked them to do. So I think, you know, for, for someone like me who follows minor league baseball overall, yeah, there was a certain expectation that this is what it would look like. But if you're a fan of the, the, the Missoula baseball team here, and this is this is all hyper-local and brand new, um, I think that, you know, that you've, you've been served well by uh, a that does this, you know, that, that does a good job of this. Paul, we certainly appreciate you being with us. Paul Caputo, he writes uh, for sportslogos.net. You can go read his story now. He's also written a book, The Story Behind the Nickname. Uh, so you can go check that out. Uh, uh, and uh, you want to you get in and do this real deep, you go ahead. Paul, best of luck with your uh, plastic uh, batting helmet collection uh, <laughs> there. We hope that you get them all uh, done. We certainly appreciate your time with us here today, all right? I really hope that the paddleheads have the the ice cream helmet Sunday because it's going to be a great addition to the to the collection. <laughs> no, no doubt, <laughs> Paul. Thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Good luck. There you go, Paul Caputo joining us. You tell Nuanas, ESPN Radio. Quick break. We'll come back. Montana State. They're at Northern Colorado. What's Jeff Choate have to say about it? Well, naturally, quite a bit. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber-secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. 
For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Golter, Montana State. On the road to Northern Colorado, they had a 14, 42 to nothing demolition of Southern Utah in the first half of the football game. End up winning 42-7 in a snooze fest, which is a good thing if you're a Montana State fan in general. They go on the road to the other worst team in the Big Sky Conference, Northern Colorado. Let's start just by hearing Jeff Cho. <laughs> Isn't Idaho State the worst team in the Big Sky Conference They, might now? Be they lost to Southern oh, Utah boy. and Northern Colorado back-to-back weeks. It's pretty hard to say that they're not... Okay, well, throw them all in there. Throw them all in there. There's more bad teams this year than there has been in a a little while. I'll tell you that. Here's Jeff Show talking about one of them. That's Northern Colorado. A big win for them on the road last week at Idaho State and uh, create, I think, a lot of momentum for them. I really like, um, you know, I like the nip kid. Their quarterback is a really good player. I really like this kid. He's a big, strong kid. He's an accurate passer. He's got some good targets to throw to. Um, they have a bounce down from Wyoming, the uh, Milo Hall kid that will run him back. He's a really good inside zone runner. Uh, that's what they do with him. When they had the track kid, they were, you know, they set up about five or six vertical shots a game to, to him. Now it's more similar probably to what we saw against North Dakota. A lot of RPO, uh, inside zone, some tempo. Those are the types of things that you see, and I think the nip kid does a really nice job of operating it. Primary reta- primary targets, uh, number 10, uh, the Fairman kid, he's got the, you know, I think he's their true speed guy. They do a nice job of creating matchups because they'll move their speed guys into the slot, and if you play quarters coverage on them, you're basically going to get a safety man-to-man on their speed guy, and they've, they've taken advantage of everybody they played in that regard. Uh, other targets, 13 and 17, some taller guys on the perimeter that they use in a variety of ways. Defensively, multiple fronts, um, kind of depends on who the style that you're playing, whether you're going to see the three down front or the four down front. When when they as they settle into the game, you see more four down. Uh, about your standard 30% blitz team, more fire zone, not a ton of zero coverage. Although if you do get into heavier sets, two tight ends, three tight ends, they will get in and crowd the box and play zero coverage. And so there's some uh, opportunities, I think, there. I really like the, the Gonzalez kid, 53. I think he's got a high motor, one of their best interior defensive linemen. Uh, uh, senior captain, the Nelson kid at linebacker, number 29. You can tell he's the leader of that group. Everything kind of goes through him in the communication. And then number five, I think he had a pick six and uh, actually had two interceptions, a pick six, and a forced fumble against Idaho State. So he had a huge game last week, but he shows up consistently on tape. He's a 6'1 senior corner, uh, really good athlete, and uh, is, is a guy you got to be aware of all the time. They've been explosive in the return game. And, um, you know, we gotta got to go down there and, again, have that one game at a time mentality and go prepare to play our best game against uh, against this group do you think other coaches listen to jeff jones press conference to see what he thinks about them no doubt i think coaches they say they don't listen to outside noise they listen to each other yes i think that's why okay i'm not sure choat listens to anybody else I'm serious. I'm serious. He made such a comment that, during the thing. We'll play it for you later on this week. He he made a comment. He said, I truly don't listen to outside noise. He goes, I truly didn't know we were ranked in the top 25 until Bill put the stats on my desk before this press conference. said, I had no idea. He said, I truly know myself well enough that if I listen to all the outside noise, including when people said I was doing a great job and including when people said I was doing a poor job, do you have any idea how miserable my life would be? And it's the truth, especially if you're a person that's like him. Yeah. He yeah. already thinks himself 
I mean, he thinks harder about everything than anybody in the league. But that's the thing that I thought was interesting because... Which can be good or not good. Th- I mean, right? there used yeah. to be a conference call with all 13 head coaches in the Big Sky Conference. It's the whole entire impetus for why we started Skyline Sports. Because I had 10 minutes on the phone with every dude in the league. So now I can get every story I ever wanted because I can hash them all out by talking to every guy back to back to back to back. They got rid of the conference call. Choate was the one that spearheaded getting rid of it. Because Montana schools get so much media coverage. They don't need it. But I know that the other coaches, like... Bruce Barnum's dying to be on this show because he doesn't get any interviews from anybody Bruce, else. Bruce, give us a call. No doubt. Uh, but I guess what I'm getting at, though, is I know that coaches used to sit on there and listen to each other talk. Yeah. And I just don't know why you wouldn't. Sure. And get, yeah, get a little check-in. I mean, the, I know uh, that there's uh, coaches around the state that listen to our show when we have other coaches on. They, they, they think that that is a great resource for them. When it comes to this football game, uh, Jeff Choate did what? he does and what all coaches seem to do now is you outline in the best possible way the strengths as you can find them of everything that the other team does well basically to convince your team and probably yourself to some extent that this is another dangerous team that you got to go up against and you got to be ready to go and all that kind of stuff but the reality is is that this is another game that montana state should go down and hammer northern colorado and to some extent to me needs to North Carolina is a great example. The, the Big Sky Conference is a striking example of how there's so much that goes into be, playing winning football that has almost nothing to do with talent. And Portland State and Sac State have been such a great example of that for so long. The intangible elements of what does it mean, what are you playing for, what does it take to win? I mean, there's been so many dudes at Montana and Montana State that could never get recruited anywhere else in the country, mm-hmm. but by the time they're juniors and seniors... They're the best players in the league because of what it means to them and the dedication and the commitment they had to the program. Like Michael Walker, the corner that Choate talked about there, he's way better than any corner the Cats got on their team. He he would be the best corner in the state of Montana. Period. I mean, he is he's a six foot one hundred ninety five pound dude who's a ball hawk. He's the only dude in the league that's been multiple time defensive player of the week in the league this year. But that's not all it takes to win. Right. And that's where Northern Colorado's been. I mean, they've had. His, I mean, here's the deal. In the last this decade, Northern Colorado's had three straight quarterbacks that are going to pros. Jacob Nip's going to go in the NFL. Kyle Slaughter before him, he's a backup for Kyler Murray in the, with the Arizona Cardinals. Seth Lobato, he played in Miami for about five years. Three straight. How many times have they had a winning record in league play? Zero. None. So I think that, but that's the whole point, is Northern Colorado has never and probably will never win the league. The... the the illusion of winning is going to elude them forever. But they can beat anybody on any given day, and that's why you have to do exactly what you just outlined. Stu Tellen Wannis, 1029 ESPN Radio. Plenty more coming from this, uh, uh, you know, week and this, uh, these games coming up throughout the course of the week. But we turn our attention now to basketball. It's the opening night of the college basketball season. We'll talk about it. Both Montana and Montana State, the Grizzlies open tomorrow. The Cats open tonight. We're going to talk about both of those games and just in general, lay it out all there for you as we get going. And they're tipping it off the big-time level as well. Michigan State, Kentucky tonight, and right now Kansas-Duke, 5 o'clock. How great is that? Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. 
The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 